I preached the third chapter of Exodus this morning, but we reserve the fourth chapter for you tonight. I should say the Lord has reserved the fourth chapter for you tonight. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. Praise the Lord. Obviously, uh, the Lord has met him on the backside of the desert in a burning bush and has called him to lead the people of Israel out of bondage. And Moses in the third chapter gives the Lord a couple of excuses why he doesn't feel like he should be the one. And in the fourth chapter, let's get right into the fourth chapter and I'll bring some things out to you from the third chapter as well as I begin. But in the fourth chapter, we see the third excuse of Moses for not wanting to do this. And when I say do this, I mean to, to do the call of God in his life. So two excuses in the third chapter and then two more excuses in the fourth chapter plus one. Okay? Now, first of all, everything that God says to Moses in relationship to his call is complete. So that what he says to Moses, he says to anybody that has a call in their life, the same thing. So it's very interesting to study. So if you've got a call of God in your life, especially to ministry, you're really going to glean a lot from the word of the Lord tonight. But it is for you as a whole. Okay? All right. Fourth chapter. Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And I won't read any further. Father, come before you right now. Ask your blessing to rest upon the reading of your holy word. We thank you, God, tonight in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. In the third chapter, we learned this morning, God appeared to Moses on the backside of the desert in a, a burning bush. Not a big tree, just a little bush. And we learned today that any bush will do. That includes you. Any bush will do. Because God is not dependent on the bush. We're dependent on God. And we learned this morning that that bush, that mesquite bush basically is what it was, was burning with the fire of God, His presence, His visible manifestation to Moses. But as that fire was burning in the bush, the bush was not consumed. Normally, if you have a fire burning wood, then what is happening is that wood is fuel for the fire, and that fire keeps burning until the wood is completely consumed and turns to ash. And so we see that particular bush in, in Exodus chapter 3 was burning, but it was not being consumed because God doesn't need any type of support system. He doesn't need fuel. He has life within Himself. 
We learned this morning that as long as we depend on ourselves and trust in our own abilities or, you know, he was the prince of Egypt, he could have trusted in himself being a prince, his abilities, his military might and strength. As a general in Egypt, he could have trusted in his Egyptian education. But we find that when God finally appears to him that Moses is at the end of himself, so much so he does not feel like he's the one that can do the work. Forty years before, he was very quick. He thought he could be the deliverer. He jumped the gun. He killed the Egyptian, buried the Egyptian in the sand, separated two brothers when they were in a fight, trying to get them to understand that he was the deliverer. They rejected him. So there was a time in Moses' life where he really, really had confidence in himself. But 40 years later, he doesn't have confidence in himself anymore. And that's why God appears to him in this little bush. So that he can teach him by a type and a shadow, Moses, you are a bush. And what is important is God. What is important to you, Moses, is God. What is important to me is God. What is important to you is God. And as long as you're depending on your own ability and your own strength, you're going to burn out or burn up. And that's why a lot of people in the church, ministry or in the church, otherwise, they just sometimes give up and they quit God and they quit the church or they quit the ministry because they're just burn up and they're burn out. And the reason is... They've been trusting in their own abilities and their own strength and now they're ashes. As long as you and I are trusting in our own ability and our own strength, it's going to turn to ash. But if we trust God and we look to God, the one who has life within Himself, the one who doesn't need support system, He doesn't need fuel, He doesn't depend on me, I depend on Him. For those of you tonight that are kind of burnt out a little bit, amen, you need to understand you're trusting in yourself. You need to start trusting in God. Because when God's fire burns, He doesn't destroy you. He doesn't need you to fuel Him. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? And so God calls Moses to deliver His people out of that burning bush. The first thing Moses says, Who am I? God finally got him in a place where now he can be used. He says, who am I? He used it as an excuse. And as I said earlier, and I don't want to re-preach the message, but I'm going to kind of catch you up here with me. As I said earlier this morning, you know, at this point Moses was humble. He was humbled. It's important for Moses to be humbled. It's important for Moses to know that he needs God to fulfill the call of God in his life and he can't do it in his own strength. And so he needed to be humbled. But the problem is, he took his humility too far. And he used that as an excuse for not doing the call of God. When you take your humility too far and use it as an excuse to disobey the call of God in your life, that becomes rebellion. So there's a lot of people who say, well, I don't feel sufficient. I don't feel significant enough. I don't think I can do it. That's a false humility. If God has called you and if God has called me, then He's going to equip us. He's going to give us what we need to serve Him and to do His will. I'm just going to say to you that I'm a bush. I'm a bush. And if I burn tonight, it's because of Him. 
I'm a bush. But I'm not going to use that as an excuse not to fulfill the call of God in my life. I'm not going to use false humility in my life to rebel against the call of God in my life. Because that's what a lot of people do, you know, because they want to act like they're humble. But really it's not humility, it's false humili- humility and it's rebellion against the call of God. And God is not going to be very happy with Moses. Moses says, who am I? And then God responds says, I'll be with you, number one. Number two, the people are going to come out with you and they're going to return back to this very place that I've met with you here in the burning bush at Mount Sinai. So God canceled His excuse by saying, I'm with you and you're going to bring them out and you're going to come right back here. God canceled His excuse by His presence and by His provision. So when you start looking and say, well, I don't think I can do anything for God. And, you know, if God's got His hand on you, you just come up with all these reasons why you don't think you can do it. God says, I'm with you. You're a bush, but I'm with you. And I'll bring you back right here to this this, this bush. Amen. Where it will be known as the mountain of God. And then the second excuse, obviously, He says, well, I don't even know your name. Second excuse is identity. What's your name, God? And God speaks to him and says, uh, I am that I am, or Eye Esher Eye. I will be what I will be. That means God is saying, I'm the supreme God. I will do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, with whom I want to do it, and where I want to do it. So trust me. How many of y'all believe the Word of God today? So he knows the name of God now. We went and explained all that to you this morning. But the fourth chapter, Moses is still bringing up excuses as to why he doesn't want to fulfill the call of God in his life. And the next one is found in verse 1. Okay, you caught up with me now? Okay, okay. Had to get you caught up with me now. So his excuse now is the people will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. God had already told him in verse 18 of the previous chapter, they will listen to you. But he says in his third excuse, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to hearken to me. He should have said, God, you already said they're going to they're listen. When I preach, they're going to listen. But instead he said, no, they're not going to believe. So he's going against what God told him. God said, they're going to listen. And I told the church this morning that as I was getting ready to come up here to preach to you, I just repeated what God said to Moses. And that was, Lord, I believe they're going to hear. I believe this church is going to hear. I believe this church is going to listen. I believe this church is going to hearken. I believe it, God. I'm not going to listen to my own mind. It says they're not going to listen anyway. I'm going to go by what you said, God, and I'm going to believe what you said. And that is these, and I'm talking about you, you're going to listen. You want the Word of God. You're going to hear it and you're going to obey it. But Moses had his doubts. 
God said they would hear. God said they would listen. But Moses had his doubts. And he brings it up as a third excuse before God. They will not believe nor hearken unto me. They're not going to listen. They're not going to believe what I tell them. And then number two, they're not going to obey me. And number three, they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. They're not going to believe me. They're not going to obey me. And they're not even going to, they're not going to believe when I say God appeared to me. They're not going to believe that. Are y'all with me? But the Bible says, and the Lord said unto him, what is in thy hand? He said, a rod. And God is fixing to work a miracle by the hand of Moses. Moses is the first human being in the Bible that ever is used by God to work a miracle. And it's all in relationship to his excuse as to why he doesn't want to fulfill the call of God in his life because he doesn't believe that people will hear him, obey him, and believe that God even appeared to him. You understand what I'm saying? So what is in your hand? A rod. God's going to fix him to show Moses what Moses is going to be able to do. He trusts God. The third excuse is important for all of us to see, not just people who are called into the ministry. If I only serve God because people believe, I will not serve Him very long. I'm, you hear what I'm saying? I feed on this, this part right here particularly. You know, as I did this morning on the bush that was not consumed, I'm a bush, you're a bush. We're depending on God. Amen to be the fuel. I'm, I'm feeding on this part right here. Amen. Because I'm going to tell you, there are times in ministry when this one really gets heavy. It gets hard when you're in ministry and you don't believe people are hearing the message. Number two, they won't obey. And number three, they don't believe that God is appearing to you. And I'm not saying I've seen God visibly. But I'm just telling you, that is a great challenge. Um, I think for any preacher, any person that's called into the ministry, it's a great challenge when you stand before people and you preach and it doesn't seem like they're listening or they're believing it. And they won't obey what's being told them from the Word of the Lord and they don't believe that God's appearing. That's a big challenge. And sometimes people want to quit the ministry and get out of the ministry for that reason. But we have to remember again that if we only serve God when people believe, we will not serve Him very long. From a ministry perspective, from a preacher's perspective, this helps me. Because I cannot just be a preacher. I cannot just minister the Word of God only if you believe. And if you don't believe, I quit the ministry. What God is saying to me, it's not based on the belief of people. The call in life is based on His Word. So for you 
who may struggle with this in the future. I'm going to tell you, brother. I'm going to tell you other people that may be called into the ministry in this, in this church. When you're in the ministry and you're serving God and people don't want to seem to listen, they don't want to obey, and they don't believe that you know God is appearing to you in, in that sense. You know what I'm saying? You can't quit preaching just because they don't believe. You've got to keep preaching because God called you. And you've got to keep preaching because it's the word of the Lord. And God had already told Moses in the previous chapter, some will believe and some won't believe. So my call or any preacher in this church service, your call is not determined by whether or not people believe you or not. Your call is because God's word said it does that make sense to you does that help you if it does give the lord a hand clap of praise and and okay so now let me bring it down to your level uh, you know uh, not that you're a lower level but i'm just saying what is it in your life are you dealing with somebody or some situation and they don't want to live for god and they don't want to believe so now you're quitting you hear your pastor. You can't quit living for the Lord because somebody won't believe and they won't obey and they don't believe the God that you believe in. You can't quit. You got to keep serving God. It doesn't matter who in your family serves Him and who doesn't in your family serve Him. Because my service is not based on people believing. I'm going to tell you right now, church, if in your life the only reason you serve God is because everybody you know believes, what's going to happen if somebody stops believing? Are you going to quit living for Him? Are you going to quit serving Him? You can't, Moses. you got to keep on living for Him. you got to get on fire. you got to repent of that attitude and understand God has already told you there'll be some that will believe and some will not believe. And I've got to keep serving Him and you've got to keep serving Him. If they believe or they don't believe. People are going to come and they're going to go. Some are going to go to heaven and some are going to die and they're going to hell. Even some of you in this church. But because God has called you to live for Him and to serve Him regardless if somebody else doesn't believe or not. God's called you to be a soul winner. He's called me to be a soul winner. But pastor, we tried so hard. They just don't want to believe. So we quit. No. God's call is not based on whether or not a person believes or not. God's call is based on His Word. And I've got a responsibility to be a soul winner. It doesn't matter if a thousand have rejected the message and only one believe. I've got a responsibility to keep serving God no matter who believes. I will say it again. If your service depends on people who believe, you will not serve very long. So you've got to have a made up mind. 
No matter who believes or who doesn't believe. No matter who comes or who goes. I'm going to serve God with all of my heart. I'm going to glorify God because I'm going to tell you there's going to come a time in each of your life that there's going to be somebody that doesn't want to live for God. Somebody that you're close to. Maybe a daddy. Maybe a mother. Somebody in your family. Maybe a husband. Maybe a wife. Maybe children. At some point in your life, you're going to have somebody that doesn't want to believe God. Doesn't believe Him at all. And you're going to have to keep on going. And you're going to have to keep on serving Him. And you're going to have to maintain your fire. And you're going to have to maintain the Spirit of God in your life. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. There may be times when you're going to have to come to church by yourself. Nobody else in your family want to come. You just look at him and say, I'm going. I'm going to the house of God. Because my belief is not determined by your unbelief. My service to God does not depend on you believing or not believing. I must serve God myself regardless of what you do or, or what you don't do. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And I'm not trying to be arrogant and I'm not trying to be prideful. What I'm trying to tell you is you've got to make up your mind. There is absolutely nobody in my immediate family tonight that is filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. And I, I mean my children are here, but I'm talking about my mother, my brother, my sister. I'm talking about people that I live with all my life. When I came into the church, came into the truth, you know, they may have followed for a little while. One of them did, dropped out after a little while. I could have looked at the situation and said, well... You know, my sister got baptized in Jesus' name and she got the Holy Ghost and her and her husband and they only lived for the Lord for a little while and they stayed in the church for a little while and they quit God and quit the church, so so am I. When they did that, when they quit the church, when they quit God, I made up my mind, if I'm the only one in my family living for God, I'm going to live for God. you got to make up your mind. You have to, you got to, because again, if other people's believing determines your service, you will not serve very long. So God is going to overcome His third excuse for not doing the will of God. You know, I hear God talk to me. He's talking to me. Because I've been in these situations, amen? And I thought, well, you know, What's the use? I'm not putting you down. I'm just telling you, I look at it from my perspective. I'm not being very effective. You know what I'm saying? God has helped me. I said, God has helped me. I'm, I'm energized. I've got life. Let, let me just put it to you this way. God's Word will take your crazy head, your crazy thinking, and straighten your crazy thinking out. 
And sometimes just like you, I have crazy thinking that goes on right here. And the word of the living God comes to me and he straightens out my crazy thinking. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So I stand before you tonight and I give him glory and honor and praise and worship. And I tell you, I'm learning too. I'm learning too that my service cannot depend upon people who don't believe or believe. God has called me. God has called you to serve Him. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Give Him praise. So, maybe I'm not the only one here tonight in this service that needs your head fixed. Shikarabokota. Maybe I'm not the only one in this church house tonight that needs some crazy thinking. Uh, hallelujah, replaced by the truth of God's word. I give him glory and honor and praise today. Even if you don't believe, I've still got to preach. And there's some churches, they'll quit living for God if the pastor backslides. No. You can't quit living for God if the pastor backslides. You got to keep on going. You got to keep serving God. He wants to go to hell. That's his business. You got to get up. You got to keep serving God. Are y'all with me? In the mighty name of Jesus. Listen to me, church. If your youth leader gets lukewarm and carnal and backslidden, young people, you got to stay on fire. You've got to stay on fire. You can't even look at your leader and say, well, you know, they're really not on fire either, so I'm not going to be. No! Your service to God is not predicated and does not depend on the faithfulness or the loyalty or the fire in even your youth leader. You understand what I'm saying? So if at times your pastor is not what he should be, you should never use that as an excuse not to serve Him. Come on, anybody getting a hold of this message? Let me just put it to you the way the message, the Word of God has got a hold of me tonight. I said it's got a hold of me tonight because I let it get a hold of me. It's not just words on a page. It's not just words coming out of the mouth of a man. It is God speaking to us. Repeat. If your service depends on other people's believing, you will not serve Him very long. There has to be another reason. It's because you've got a passion for God. You love God. You love the things of God. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If you're looking next to you and the person sitting next to you won't get off the pew and worship, just look at him and say, you just keep sitting there, but I'm going to praise him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to glorify him. I don't want to move. I'm going to move. You don't want to praise. I'll praise. You don't want to get off the pew. I'm going to. I'm not going to let you put, hallelujah, a cold blanket on my worship, a, a, a wet blanket on my praise, a wet blanket on my worship. I'm not going to do it. I, I, and I'm not saying again, I'm not coming from pride and I'm not coming from arrogance because God knows how to humble me. 
And I get up here and I'm just throwing stuff left and right at you, man. You know, the next day I might fail if I'm walking in pride. But I'm not. I'm coming to you in sincerity. And I'm letting you know that is a trick of the enemy to try to stop your service to God. And that is, well, they don't want to believe. Are y'all with me? No, it's a trick of the enemy. What is in your hand, Moses? Moses said a rod. <laughs> and the rod, obviously the, the rod that we have is the Word of God. Take the rod in your hand tonight. The rod of God represents the Word of God. It represents the power of God. It represents the authority of God. What I have in my hand is a rod. And so God tells Moses, you can sit down, thank you. Thank you for responding to the Word of the Lord. Because as I said, I believe that you would. <laughs> I said, I believe that you would. Because God said you would. Amen? Alright Moses, you're concerned that the people won't believe, they won't obey you, and they'll say that God hasn't appeared to you. Alright Moses. I'm going to show you, Moses, what you're going to be able to do. <laughs> Moses, you're, get, you're fixing to get a revelation of your performance. What kind of performance, Moses, are you going to perform? He said, take that rod in your hand and throw it to the ground. Moses did exactly what God told him to do. He took that rod up, threw it to the ground, and the Bible says the rod turned into a serpent. And when it turned into a serpent, he ran from it. Ah! He was afraid of that serpent, right? Then God says, now, pick it up. You know what kind of courage it would take? Now, it's easy to take the rod, throw it on the ground, it turns to a snake. That's easy, right? But then when God says, pick it up, that's going to take a lot of courage. But the Bible says Moses does what God tells him to do, and he reaches down and he grabs a hold of that Rod that has turned into a serpent and it becomes a rod again. Alright Moses, when you go before the people and if they're having a hard time believe, do this sign. Throw the rod to the ground, it's going to turn into a serpent, then pick it back up and it'll turn into a rod. And what that is saying, Moses, is this. I'm giving you power over Rahab. Egypt is known as Rahab. Egypt is known as the serpent in the sea. Are y'all with me? In fact, Pharaoh had on his headdress a serpent. And God is saying, I'm giving you power over Rahab. And I'm not talking about Rahab that hid in the wall. This is a term that speaks of that seven-headed dragon. Moses, I give you power over the power of Egypt. And if the people doubt it, you cast the snake down, you pick it back up. And the Bible tells us when he went before Pharaoh and the magicians tried to do their magic, they threw their rods on the ground, they turned into snakes. Moses threw his on the ground. 
it turned into a snake and ate all the rest of them. And then Moses picked it back up. And it turned back into a rod again. Don't worry, Moses, I'm with you. You'll be, are y'all with me? He's the first man to ever perform a miracle in the Word of God. God is showing him, this is what you're going to do, the performance by supernatural, miraculous power. You will have victory over the serpent. And if they don't believe that sign, then Moses, put your hand into your vest or whatever. What does he call it? Amen. Look at it. Verse 6, put your hand into your bosom. Next sign. So he puts his hand into his bosom. He pulls it out and he's got leprosy. Y'all with me? Now what happened with the first miracle? Am I already boring you? What happened with the first miracle? He cast the rod down, turned into a serpent, he picked it back up. Restoration. What happened with the second miracle? He puts his hand into his bosom, he pulls it out, and it's leprous. He puts it back in, instantly healed. How is that a sign to Moses? His hand turning leprous white as snow. You with me? Leprous white or leprosy that's white as snow is believed to only be able to be healed by God. And the fact that his hand became leprous and his hand was healed, God is saying, I'm giving you power to put on judgment. I'm giving you power to take off judgment. But it's even more than that. The God who is the only one that can heal leprosy is the one that's going to deliver Israel out of Egyptian bondage. Because He's the only one that can do it and He's going to do it. So that's what the sign of the leprous hand represents. Something that only God can do. And God says, I'm going to do it, Moses. So I show you your performance with the first miracle, but I show you my power with the second miracle. The power of God. Something only that God can do. God is the only one that can deliver them. And he goes on. He says, Moses, he says, if they don't believe the first two signs, go to the river and get some water. And he's talking about the Nile River. And pour it out on the ground. And when you do, it's going to turn to blood. The third miracle has no restoration. Only the first two have restoration. Because what God is saying is this. Is that when He smites that Nile River, it's the judgment of God upon Egypt. God is saying it's not about restoration. It's about a judgment that will come upon the powers of hell. And I will defeat the false God because they believe that the Nile was a God. God has said, I'm going to defeat that false God. I'm going to defeat demonic powers by my blood. That water is going to turn to blood because it's by the blood of Jesus that demonic powers are defeated and demonic powers are judged and demonic powers are never going to be restored. 
You got everything you need. Don't worry about the belief or the lack of the belief for the people. Because Moses, this will be your performance. And Moses, this will be my power. And Moses, this will be my judgment upon demon powers. I'll defeat them by the blood of the Lamb. Give God praise. So God defeated his third excuse, which was he thought they wouldn't believe him, obey him, and they would say, God hasn't appeared to you. How are you going to deny it? How's a person going to deny that God has appeared to this man when a rod turns into a serpent? And obviously he's afraid at the beginning, but then he picks it up. Oh, turns into a rod. How are you going to deny that? A man puts his hand in the bosom, turns into leprosy like snow, pulls it back out. You understand? Puts it back in. It's healed. How are you going to deny that? How are you going to deny a man that takes water out of the river now, pours it on the dry ground, it turns to blood? How are you going to deny that? Amen. Don't worry, Moses. God is saying, I got you covered. The fourth excuse that Moses comes up with Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent neither hitherto nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of slow tongue. He said, I can't talk very good right now. I couldn't talk good in the past. And I can't talk good now. I'm not eloquent of speech. In fact, I'm slow of speech. Amen? See, that's the problem sometimes too we get into. We think it's all about how eloquent we are in preaching. Let me say this to you. There's nothing wrong with being eloquent. Isaiah the prophet was an eloquent preacher. An eloquent, eloquent preacher. (laughs) Having a hard time getting that one out, you know. An eloquent preacher he was. But God does not depend upon how eloquent a preacher you or I am. He's not depending on how how great a speaker you are. We have to have God to get the work done. Amen. And if He allows you to be eloquent in preaching or what eloquent in speaking, that's wonderful. Eloquent in singing like Brother Heath. Amen. And I found out this morning he he is a literal bush. His name means a bush. He came up and says, that's that's what my name means, a bush. I said, we're going to call this the title of this message, Any Old Heath Will Do. (laughs) Hallelujah. Any Old Heath Will Do. But if you think, well, I gotta be able to preach, you know, I gotta be able to take people to the heavens, gotta take them to the stars to be effective as far as your eloquence is concerned. No. What is important is that God is anointing you to preach His Word. It's not about how fast you speak, how good you can speak. Hallelujah. It is important to have a knowledge of the Word of God. 
But God can use you even if you're not eloquent. God can use you if you're slow of speech because it's about His power and it's about His anointing. So Moses, you can't use that for an excuse either about how you can't speak very well now and you weren't able to speak very well in the past. No. Are y'all with me? What does God say to Moses? Who made your mouth? Look at your neighbor and help me preach. Ask him, who made your mouth? You don't believe that God can use your mouth? Who made your mouth? God, if God made your mouth, God can use you to speak. When God's anointing hits you, there's nothing like it. It is important to study. It is important to prepare. But I promise you, without the anointing of God's Spirit upon your life, I don't care how much you study, it'll never come out. But when God anoints you, you'll begin to preach and speak. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise in this house. So if you ever, if you got a call in your life to speak in some form or fashion, look at your neighbor and say, who made your mouth? God made your mouth. God made my mouth. If God made my mouth, He can use it to speak. Give Him a hand clap of praise. Amen. How many know what I'm talking about? You're not an eloquent speaker. You can't speak very eloquently and fluid, you know, and you don't always say the thing that you know the exact right thing. Hallelujah. Been there, done that. I put my foot in my mouth so many times because I don't say it, you know. Maybe the way I should say it, I just say what's on my mind and I say it the way that's in my head. So, you know, sometimes that's not the best thing to do, man. Do you understand what I'm saying? But it's still the truth. But the main thing is this. Is that you might not always get it just exactly right. You might not get the words. It might not come out just exactly like you wanted to say it. But I'm telling you something. If you will trust God. God will use you mightily. Who made your mouth. I heard about a preacher that got up. You know how it is. If the preacher gets up, you expect him to say something at least for 15 minutes. At least. And he got up and he quoted one small passage of Scripture. And when he did, the power of God hit the house. With just the reading of a small passage of Scripture. I remember Miriam, brother, old brother Smelser, who's gone on to be with the Lord. He was talking about how, or his wife, Sister Melissa, was telling us about how there was a time when he got up to preach. He said, now we the sons of God. And when he just said that, now we the sons of God, the power of God hit that church. You would think it needs to be long and lengthy. I'm a long-winded preacher. I've got a lot to say. But God can use just one statement 
He looked at some people that came to get him one night and says, I am. They fell to the ground. There is a presence of God in this service right now. Whether you believe it or not, but I'm believing. I said, I'm believing what God said. You will hear. You will obey. I'm believing what God said. God is in this place right now. And I, I'm talking about manifestly He is here. What a wonderful God He is. And the Lord said in verse 11, The Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go. Now therefore go. Look at you say now. No wait, don't hesitate Moses. It's now. God says go now. Go, go, go. And go now. Do it now. Don't say, well, you know, let, no, now. Some of y'all are running as fast as you possibly can from the call of God. And you're, you're, you're trying to disqualify yourself by fussing and fighting at home. Say, so, well, now we're disqualified, hon. <laughs> that don't work with God. You hear what I'm saying? God's got His hand on your life. You might as well make kiss and make up and get over it. Hallelujah. Because God's got His hand on your life. Stop trying to disqualify yourself in your own eyes because that, that doesn't work with God. When you bring up excuses, God's going to bring the answer. He's going to cancel your excuse if there is a call of God in your life. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Go now. Go now. Now's the time. It's time to go now. Woo. I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. God says, see, I'll enable you. Isn't that wonderful? God says, I'm going to give you ability. I'm going to be with your mouth. That's ability. Number two, not only is He going to enable Moses to speak, but He's going to tell him what to say. You can't lose. If God gives you the ability, and then God tells you what to say in that ability, how can you lose? You're always going to win. That makes sense? How many times Brother Heath he and I talk, you know? Me and Brother Heath see each other more in one week than probably his wife sees him. You know, because we go and we work out together, you know, in the gym. And, and, and we talk and we talk for a good two hours, you know. So, and I was thinking about it the other day. He, I, he and I see each other probably more than our, than our wives see us or at least talk. We probably talk to each other more than we even talk to our wives. Sister Pearl says, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But brother, he tells me, he told me, he said, you know, there are times we'll get up and we'll start trying to sing. And he says, I don't hit the right chord and I don't, you know, I don't do this and I don't do that. But then when I get through, everybody says that bless me mightily. You know what that's about? God is showing you. It's not about how good you can play. The Bible does say play skillfully. So you want to do that, but it's not ultimately about that. When you mess up, God will fill in the blanks. Yeah. 
Amen. You ever been there? Yeah. Ever try to teach a Bible study? Go. Let me get my let me get my teacher's manual. Look what I'm supposed to say. You ever been there? <laughs> People are just looking at you. And then all of a sudden the anointing comes on you and you're able to speak. Hallelujah. Those people before this, before you get through teaching the Bible study got tears running down their face. At the beginning you thought it was going to be a complete failure. But God stepped into that failure and anointed you. Ever been there? Yeah, it just teaches you, doesn't it, Brother Heath? Any old Heath will do. Hey man, you you know you ever you ever get to a place where you completely fail, just go hand me that guitar. I'll come up here and I'll show you how to do it. Brother's talking about the guitar they're playing tonight, you know. The way they were playing the guitar tonight. That's how you say guitar, right? Hallelujah. And I said, Yeah, I know, brother, you 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 know you need to get you a drum. I said, but we're going to put you over here in the corner. We're not going to put you in the band yet. We're going to put you on the corner over here and make sure you can hit the thing before we put you in the band. Amen? So I don't even know if he can hit the bongo. i got to put him in the band. <laughs> Say amen. The anointing hits him, maybe he can do a little dancing too, right? Come on. Some of you young people need to go hold to this message because maybe God is calling you right now as I preach to you. I'm not just preaching a message to some old person in the church. I'm preaching to young people. I'm preaching to people right now that God has got His hand on your life, but you've been afraid to answer that call. God has said, I made your bow. Amen. I'm going to enable you and I'm going to teach you what to say. Isn't this wonderful? So God overcomes His four excuses. Number one, He felt insignificant. Number two, He lacked the identity. He didn't know the name of God. Number three, the unbelief of the people. And number four, His speaking ability. God overcame all of that. But now Moses just comes right out and tells God what's on his mind. The others have been just excuses to try to get out of the ministry. But now he looks, he talks to God, he says, God, send somebody else. I want to substitute, God. I don't want to be the one. I want you to pick somebody else to do this. Amen? Brother so-and-so can do it better than I can. Sister so-and-so can do it better than I can. God, pick them. At this point, God gets angry. And you say, God doesn't get angry. God is a God of love. Yes, God gets angry. Because God is holy. If holiness doesn't get mad at unholiness, it's not holiness at all. Help me preach. Say it with me. If holiness doesn't get angry at unholiness, 
it's no longer holiness. If there's something on the inside of you that it doesn't, you don't get angry when you look at unholiness and sin and ungodliness. If you don't get angry with that, you're no longer in holiness. Because God is a holy God. He's not just a God of love. He gets angry at unholiness, even in His servants. Even in a Moses. He's going to be the deliverer. He's called by God. But God got angry with him because of his unholiness. The Bible, look at it. Prove it to you. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well and also... Behold, he cometh forth to thee to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. You understand? See, God, God says, I've already overcome all of your complacencies. I've already, I've already uh, overcome all of your excuses. And at this point, God is mad. God is angry. Okay, Moses, you want an assistant? Now, that, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with Bishop or Brother Jonathan Lemons assisting me in ministry. Because that doesn't come out of unbelief because I don't want to serve God or preach to God's Word, okay? But the scenario with Moses is, I want to substitute. Wow. I want to substitute. I want you to send somebody else. And so God in His anger says, that's the way you want it? Listen, everybody please look at me. This is so important for you to get. You've pushed it and you've pushed it, Moses, and you've pushed it and you've pushed it and now you want to substitute because you don't want to do it yourself? Okay, Moses, I'm going to give you what you want. But if it don't work out right, remember, God knows better. Sometimes you keep pushing God and pushing God and pushing God and He will. He'll step in and He'll give you what you want. But when it don't work out the way you wanted it to work out, then God's going to come to you and He's going to say, I knew better. I knew what was best, but you didn't believe me. Now I want you to look at this because God is going to say, I'm going to give you Aaron. But think about Aaron. He's Moses' brother. But think about Aaron. Think about this substitute. Is it going to work out okay? No, think about it. Who was it that led the church into idolatry? Who was it that built the golden calf? It was Aaron. In Exodus 32, who was it in Numbers 13 when Miriam began to murmur and criticize Moses? Who was it that joined her in the criticism? It was Moses' substitute. 
It was Moses' assistant. that made the golden calf and that criticized the man of God. So yes, God may give you the substitute, but remember with the substitute comes disappointments. You might get what you want, church. But in the end, you'll wish you hadn't. Moses, I'm going to let you do it. I'm going to give them to you. But when it doesn't work out like you want it to, remember God knows best. Is this helping anybody? Everybody, you okay? You all right? Everybody breathing? Take a deep breath. Yeah, that's good. See, I'll tell you what. You take a substitute, a substitute in marriage, okay? I believe that God knows what's best for each person, who to marry, who not to marry, right? You settle for a substitute in your life, y'all could be ripping each other's hair out. You understand? Black eyes. These matchmakers trying to ma match people up, you know, and all of that. You, you, are you funny? <laughs> Try to match them up based on compatibility. And they get together and they get married, you know, don't even know each other. And then pretty soon, man, they're beating each other up. Black eyes, pulling their hair out. It's because you got out of God's will. You settled for a substitute. You should have waited on the Lord. Because God, when He gives you what you want, and sometimes He does, He's going to come back and going to say to you, I told you, I knew what was better. You understand? But I'm still going to give it to you. Are y'all here with me? If you are, give God praise. So He says, here He comes. He's coming to you. Oh, that must be a sign. There he is, walking through the door. You know what I'm talking about. Man, this must be God. Hallelujah. No, it's God's allowance for unbelief. You don't like it, and I know you don't like what I'm saying, but I still got to say it. I said I still got to say it. Say amen. amen. But notice what God says about this. This We're going to call him assistant. God says, Moses, thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. That means Aaron is going to get his message from you. This is the ways of God. Moses is a set man by God. So God says, I'm going to teach you first, Moses. 
not Aaron. I'm not teaching Aaron first. I'm teaching Moses first because he's the set man and the set man Moses is going to give you the message Aaron. Are y'all here? Thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth and I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you shall do. God doesn't bypass headship. He does not bypass divine authority. He says, I'm going to give the man of God the message and the message he's going to give it to you and you're going to speak it. And he's going to teach you what to do, Aaron, not vice versa. Verse 16, he shall be thy spokesman unto the people. A substitute. And he shall be even, he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. And thou shalt be to him instead of God. God says to the man of God, when you speak, you're going to be as God to that man. You're going to give that man the message as if you were God. Moses is not God, but God is saying like God. God's going to give it to Moses and Moses is going to give it to Aaron. And when Moses gives it to Aaron, what comes out of his mouth is God-like. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. In verse 17, And thou shalt take this rod in thy hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. So now God says, Moses, you have authority over Aaron. You've got the rod. You are superior to Aaron. You have authority over him. This is the way that God works. Do you understand these things, church? God will never bypass your pastor. Never. Do you understand? He will speak to your pastor and he'll confirm it. There will be, I thank God for preachers in the house. Brother Jonathan Lemons and, and uh, Melvis uh, back there. Praise the Lord. And others that have genuine calls of God on their life. But God will never bypass headship. He gives the message to the set man. The message is given to the assistant. And the assistant speaks the same thing. If you ever get a situation where any preacher, any assistant, any preacher in the house says something different from your pastor, it's not God. It's not God. If it's God, you understand, and the pastor's a true man of God, and he says one thing, and somebody else comes along and says, you don't need to listen to what he says. You know that's not from God. Do you understand? Wow, I'm not God. 
I don't want to try to be God in your life. Do you understand what I'm telling you? But what I can say tonight is the word that I preach unto you is the word of the living God. And I, when I preach this word of God to you, I'm giving it to you. And you better be saying the same thing because this is God's word to you. You may not like the preacher. You may not like your pastor. You may have all kinds of problems and issues and all that stuff. But God speaks through delegated authority. Divinely appointed men in your life. So if I get up and I preach from the word of the Lord, holiness, and then this man follows behind me and says, you don't need to listen to that. You know, you know, you know. That man is not speaking from God. You understand. And see, when Aaron got to a place where he thought, yet, feel an anointing. When he got to a place where he thought, he was equal with the man of God in authority. When the people of the church came to him and said, let's do it this way, Aaron. Let's build the golden calf. What does he do? He gathers the earrings from the people. He does what the church wants him to do. They fall into idolatry. When Aaron gets to a place where he thinks he's equal to Moses because he's his brother, he criticizes Moses with his sister. And God comes down and strikes a prophetess named Miriam with leprosy. But he joined in the criticism of the man of God. If you don't get this right in your life. And you say, well, well, pastor, you preach these things so much. Are you? I'm not insecure. If I don't tell you these things, this church will be in chaos. It'll be in total confusion. We'll have, so, we'll have too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Do you understand? If you understand, say praise the Lord. That's heavy. Look at your neighbor and say, that's heavy. I didn't know that was in the Bible. I, I didn't know. Did you know that was in the Bible, Sister Baby? I didn't know that was in the Bible. Did you know, Victoria, did you know that was in the Bible? Wow. I'm learning something. So you could say that Moses was as is was as if as God was as God, and Aaron was his prophet. And God gave the message to the man of God, and the man of God gave the message to the prophet, and the prophet was in agreement with the vision and declared the mind of God. 
All I'm trying to get you to understand is that there was proper order even in this allowance. God allowed it. But later on we'll find out it didn't turn out very well. Say praise the Lord. If I go to a church, another church, and I preach in that church, the set man, the man of God is the one with the authority. He can set me down. And I say, yes, sir. You have to. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, Moses, now we know it's not just excuses. Now we know, Moses, you are in rebellion against the call of God in your life. That's why God got angry. Now, look at each other and say, this is a good church. Pastor's not mad. And the majority of you are not in trouble. Now tell them, tell, tell them. The majority of you are not in trouble. <laughs> you get in a Sunday school class, the Sunday school teacher just goes bonkers on me, loses their mind. You know, and they start teaching you all kinds of crazy stuff. You better let me know. In case you don't know, it, I just told you sometimes when I'm sick in the head, I got to get the Word of God out. And the Word of God's going to get my brain, get my head straightened out. I need it too. Brother Heath gets up and he starts singing and he's so talented and so gifted. And he starts saying, there's three gods. I give you permission to shoot spit wads at him. <laughs> Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Paul said, though we or an angel preach any other gospel than that which we have preached unto you, let them be accursed. I dare you stand up to the man of God. I dare you stand up in rebellion against God's divine authority. I dare you in the name of Jesus, not because of me. This is about God himself. You'll be demon possessed. You're playing with fire. You will lose your mind. Is this helping anybody? If it is, lift your hands. Say thank you, Jesus, for the truth. You ever be... Prophetess Melvis, when you go and you go to Zam and you preach, you preach this. You, you set the order there. So they'll understand it needs to be, there needs to be there. If not, demons will run rampant. 
Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. That's why the church is in a mess. Because it doesn't operate according to the ways of God. Okay. No man's perfect. No preacher's perfect. I'm not perfect. My wife's not perfect. If anybody ever comes to you and says, you know, pastor, you better say, I'll see you later. I don't want that on me. They come and you say, why do we have to do what he tells us to do? Because he's got Jared as a bodyguard. <laughs> come here, Jared. You know why? If you, if you don't do what, what I tell you to do, you're going to have to deal with this man right here. you but I want to go to heaven I want to stay saved <laughs> okay amen verse 18 Moses went and returned to Jethro his father-in-law I want you to see this man of God he's got a call in his life God has already set the arrangements. And, but look, even Moses doesn't get a big head. You know, like, I don't have to answer to Jethro. I don't have to tell Jethro where I'm going. God just appeared to me. He has like, who needs Jethro anyway? No. You know what? One of the reasons why God chose Moses is because the way he worked and operated in order. He's fixing to leave and go back to Egypt. What does he do? He's a responsible man. He goes to his father-in-law, not, listen carefully, not to get permission to do the will of God. He goes to his father-in-law not even to ask for permission. He goes to his father-in-law and he says, I'm just wanting to let you know what I'm about to do and, about, and where I'm about to go. I just want you to know. I ask you, what is wrong with that? All it's showing you is the, your character. It's not revealing the character of your pastor for you to call him and say, Pastor, I'm going here, I'm going there. Just want to let you know, going to be accountable to you. 
and, and you know, some of y'all call up and say, Pastor, is it okay if I do this? What do I say to you? I say, don't ask me if it's okay. Now, it, I'm not talking about Prophetess Melvis came and asked me if she could go pray for David Nabaretti last week. That's different. That's important for her to ask. That. I'm talking about you going over here to buy groceries at Gibson's. Oh, Gibson's is not even here anymore. Are you, are you going to Piggly Wig? Oh, Piggly Wiggly's not here anymore. No, come on, let's get real here. You don't have to ask me for permission for everything, but just let me know. I'm going here. Here's the details. It doesn't, that's not saying anything about me. It's saying everything about you. Moses went to his father-in-law and told him what he was going to do and where he was going to go. Why? Because Moses was a responsible individual. I told you, the, I told you, the Lord, He spoke to me, He said, this people needs to hear this message. I don't understand it. That's just something that was in me. Just in me. To let the right people know where I'm going. Amen? So he, he returns to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray you. Again, not it's not permission to do the will of God. He wants his favor. Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they are alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Again, God's told him to go. Now Jethro says go. Go in peace. You got my favor. It's beautiful. <laughs> God bless you. I love all of you, but I'm just going to be honest with you by way of testimony. I cannot imagine going against the will of my pastor. That is beyond my comprehension. I'm not saying that I always totally agreed with my pastor coming up. But to go against his decision is beyond my comprehension. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews in the 13th chapter, Obey them that have the rule over you, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. I can't imagine going against my pastor's will. I, I, Brother Edmonds is a good friend of mine. He's a missionary to Taiwan. He's a good friend of mine. And very rarely does Brother Edmonds come to me with like a mandate kind of thing, Brother Jared. We bought a little smart car Sister Christina loves that smart car to this day. She still weeps over it. 
But Brother Edmonds, he asked us to sell it. He asked us to get rid of it because he was concerned for our safety. I went to Christina. I said, Brother Edmonds says he feels in his spirit we need to get rid of it. We sold it. Amen. That's where Brother Daniel had his own business. I pawned it off on him. And he gave me about four grand less than what it was worth. <laughs> you stop wet. I don't like you doing that to me. Now wave him back at you, boy. Maybe, maybe it was three grand. Sorry, Brother Danny. But we got rid of it. Do you understand? I'd rather be safe than sorry. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Okay, and I'm not preaching this so I can lord over you. I'm trying to help you. God bless your heart. Amen? And if I don't give you a yes or if I don't give you a no, read between the lines. <laughs> Uh, sometimes I'll just say, it's your decision. But then I'll give you all the reasons why not to do it. <laughs> anyway, I don't have no axe to grind. How many of y'all love the Lord? How many of you want to go to heaven? Yes. I do too. Okay. So he tells even Jethro, Jethro says, go in peace. Amen? So as I come to a close, I'm going to finish the chapter, but as I come to a close, and we'll get back to Aaron in just a moment. Okay? The Lord says to Moses, now again, go. He said it multiple times. Jethro says, go. Now the Lord says again, go. Smart. He's got it from God and he's got it from Jethro. You understand? The Lord says, go return into Egypt for all the men are dead which sought thy life. Now, the previous chapter, we learned that the king had been had died. Now we find out that all the men that sought his life are dead. There were other people that wanted to kill Moses too. God moved them all out of the way. I will say it this way. Sometimes before God's will can be done in the earth, some people have to be removed. You understand that? Because there are hindrances to the will and purpose of God in the church. Isn't it better just to repent? Isn't it better just to align ourselves with God and His Word and His will? Isn't that just better? Instead of getting... And then God have to take you out? And then you walk out and you leave and you say, it was my idea. No, honey, child, juicy fruit, chocolate cake. It was God's idea. 
You thought it was your ideal. It was God's ideal. Because you, you, you started so many problems and created so many issues. And God said, I'm going to make you think that you're making a decision to leave. <laughs> and so you leave. We made a decision to leave. God's saying, yeah, I'm the one that put that in your mind. Don't play games with God. Are y'all with me? Don't play games with God. Because I promise you, I promise you, church, if you come to me and say, hey, pastor, I'm leaving. If you're good people, I'm going to do everything I can to keep you. If you're not so good people, I'm going to say, the Lord bless you real good. <laughs> what else am I supposed to do? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, if, if Sister Christina walks up to me and says, I'm leaving the church, what would I say? <laughs> What would I say? <laughs> I love being up here. There's only one microphone. Amen. So, God told Moses. All those people that sought your life, they're dead. They're out of the way, Moses. You don't have to worry about their interference. You don't have to worry about them trying to hinder the will of God. You don't even have to worry about your life. Wow, think about this. Brother Timothy, Sister Michelle, I've been thinking about y'all. The hand of God on your life called into the ministry. And y'all are going to go into a dangerous place. Okay? I'm not sending you. God sends you. I can only confirm it. But you need to realize if God sends you in difficult places or dangerous places, God can move people out of the way that would try to hinder His will being done. He can take them out. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Let me say it to you. God's got His favor on your life. Everything that you go through is just simply preparation for harder times. Okay? The attacks of the enemy against your finance, against your family. It's just to prepare you. God's got His hand on your life. Amen. And before He sends you into that place, He's going to remove this one and remove that one and deal with this one and deal with that one because, are y'all with me? His kingdom must be advanced in the earth. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Do you believe the word of the Lord? I ask you to pray for that family. God's got His hand on their life. Amen. Just stay together. Husband and wife, stay together. Do not let the enemy break that apart because he's after your call. Okay?
So God gives him assurance. They've been removed. All right, as Moses gets ready to leave to go to Egypt, what does he do? He gets his wife Zipporah. Come here. Zipporah. I mean Christina. I love her. I do. She's an awesome woman of God. Okay, she really is. Okay, now, don't sit down yet. Okay. Moses gets Zipporah. He doesn't leave her, doesn't leave his family behind. Doesn't leave his sons behind. Amen. Okay. You can sit down now. For some of you who have this you know, mindset, well, I can go do the call of God, but I'm, my family's not going to be involved with it. Moses got his wife, got his son, and they left, and he got one other thing, the rod of God. That's what he needed. He needed the authority of God, the rod of God, and he needed his wife beside him. Alright? Okay. Y'all with me up to this point? And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return in Egypt, see it thou, that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh which I have put in thy hand, but I will harden his heart, that he shall not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou wilt refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Verse 24. It came to pass by the way in the end that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. He's making his way back to Egypt. God's going to try to kill Moses. He's going to try to kill the servant of God. Why would God try to kill Moses? Because as you read the story, Moses failed to circumcise his son. You know why he didn't circumcise his son? Because Zipporah objected to it. We know that by her response. Now, okay. I know I've been long-winded tonight. Stay with me a little longer, please. I'm trying to keep your attention. But notice. He doesn't circumcise his son. That means he's rejected the covenant of God. And so God meets him in the road somehow. He's about to kill Moses. You want to lose your husband? If you want to lose your husband, resist the will of God in your life. She fought him on this. And God was about to kill the man. How do I know that? By her response. When she finds out why, and I don't know what was about to happen because the Bible didn't tell us just that God was about to kill him. She takes the knife, she circumcises her son herself, takes his foreskin, 
throws it at Moses' feet and says, you are a bloody husband to me. In Exodus, the 18th chapter, the Bible says, Moses sent her home. Exodus 18, read it. He sent his own wife back home to daddy along with his son. Because her resistance to the will of God was manifested when she said, you're a bloody husband to me. Moses said, you cross the line there, you go home. And it's not until Moses brings them out, that doesn't mean the marriage was over, but it's not until Moses brings the people of God out that he's reunited with his wife. But her opposition to him just about cost him his life. Say amen. Verse 27, as I come to a close, the Lord said to Aaron, remember the assistant or the substitute, said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. Why do you need Moses, Aaron? Because God cannot use you until you get with that man. What God is going to do in Aaron's life depends on his connection with Moses. It's not like that in every case. Or is it? That God connects you with somebody and what He's going to do in and through you by way of ministry can only happen if you're connected with that person. I want you to think about that. Aaron, go out and meet Moses. Some of you don't realize that your blessing is connected to somebody else. Your usefulness is connected to somebody else. And until you find that connection, you will not be used in an ultimate sense the way God wants to use you. If you realize that. And it's not about a denomination. Some people say, well, I, you know, I'm going to go join a denomination so I can get the denomination behind me. No. There's a man of God somewhere. And I'm not pointing a finger at myself. I'm helping you understand something biblical. There's a man of God somewhere that you have to connect with in order for your ministry to happen the way God wants it to happen. You understand that? This idea 
You can just act alone, do whatever you want to do. Go. You can. We're in a free country. You can. Nobody's stopping you. How many want to be blessed? How many want to be used? Your blessing is connected to somebody else. Amen? Now, he goes out to meet Moses in the wilderness. He went and met him in the mount of God and kissed him. And Moses, uh oh, look at this. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord. There it is. Who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. You know, it's important for leadership to know where the lead, where the leadership's going. Amen? When I preach the Word of God, I want to preach it so plain, it's easy to be understood, that this man or anybody else that stands up here and preach can stand up here and preach it with clarity, give a certain sound when they sound that trumpet. Does that make sense? I want you to preach things that you hear me preach. Amen? But Timothy, I want you to preach things you hear me preach. He called me on the telephone when I was out of town. He said, Pastor, I got one of your tapes and it's helping me. Well, take what you know, take what you're studying, take, it, take what you're learning and put it together with what you've heard me preach and preach it, some old, some new. That's the way it's supposed to work. If they get up and they say something totally different. It's Okay, anybody with me? It's going to be strange, isn't it? It's going to sound strange. It's going to feel strange. Something's not going to be right. Amen. So, Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. They know, the leadership knows the direction from God. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. Thank God. See, when it works God's way, the people are going to believe. There'll be mighty, mighty manifestations of God. Mighty miracles that will take place in the church. Amen? And notice, Moses gave him the message. He spoke the message. And, and look, Aaron's the one that's working signs and miracles. And obviously from God. But Moses wasn't, I want the credit. When it all works properly from headship on down, the people get blessed. There'll be miracles breaking out all around this church everywhere. If we do it God's way. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God told Moses, they're going to hear you. They're going to do what you tell them. They are going to believe Moses. That's what God told him. And when he doubted, God said, I'm going to, I'm going to show you miracles. 
how you perform. I'm going to show you my power. I'm going to show you I'm going to judge Israel. And the Bible says, when they did it God's way, just like the Lord told Moses, the people believed. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And when they heard the Lord, that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, that He had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and they did what? They worshipped. You always know when a person has received the Word and they believe the Word. Signs, miracles, and wonders follow the Word. And you always know when it's received, the people worship. May the Lord bless you real good as you stand. Lord, we stand in Your presence right now. You're a mighty, mighty God. We thank You, Lord, for every miracle, every sign, every wonder that is done. We thank You for blessing Your people. You look over this congregation now, Lord, and You love them. And it's Your desire to help them. And Lord, as they receive Your Word tonight, let them express their faith by worshiping You. If you believe the Word of the Lord, would you worship Him? Lord, we worship You. We worship You. We worship You. We worship You. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I tell you what. You know why? You know why sometimes I get concerned if you're not worshiping and you're not moving in the Spirit, you're not moving with God? It's because when people believe, they worship. And if I'm not worshiping, you're not worshiping, that's a signal. It says, I don't believe. I'm going to let you go. I was in a church under a pastor and a man came from El Paso, Texas and we, we served that pastor. I served that pastor with everything I had. Didn't just serve God. I served the man of God with everything I had. And when this young man came, he was about my age, maybe even younger than me. He came from El Paso. And my pastor made him the assistant. I'll be honest with you, I didn't know how to respond. Somebody coming from the outside in, you know, and it hurts. And I was leading where I was leading the worship service, now he's leading the worship service, you know. And it, it'll get to you if you're not careful. And it started getting to me. And I remember walking out that side door of that church. Sister Christina knows exactly where I'm talking about, walking down that sidewalk. 
and I had to come to terms with that. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I wasn't in in a very good place in my mind, but I just had to come to terms with it. It was affecting me when I'd come to church. It would affect me when I'd hear the Word of God. It would affect my worship. It affected my walk with God. It was difficult. We worked through it. I worked through it. Got the victory over it. And got to a place where, you know, I never saw him as an enemy, but I got to a place with him where I valued the relationship I had with him. Amen. And then after a while, he and his wife went and started pastoring a church. It was only temporary anyway. But you start having these thoughts, you know, I've been faithful and I'm being overlooked. And you understand? <coughs> Only a temporary situation. You have to come to terms with it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to help you. Because if you don't, you'll come to church and you'll sit there paralyzed. You'll stop praising. You'll stop worshiping. It's eating at you. By experience and by testimony, I'm just going to tell you, the best thing you can do is just come to terms with it and trust God. Because there are a lot of things that are only temporary anyway. What you're sitting around worrying about day and night going to find it wasn't worth it. Amen. So, if it will help you, I'll tell you, I've been through some things too, you know. And I won't tell you that I always handled everything exactly like I should, but I sure did try. And my wife will tell you, am I saying the truth, Sister Christina? I tried. Because I want the favor of God in my life. And ultimately, a lot of it has to do, where do you think God is sending you? If God is sending you to be a pastor somewhere, which I believed in my life, God had His hand on me to be a pastor. If I didn't look to that down the road thing called pastoring, I would have probably made some really, really bad mistakes. I'd let my emotion get the best of me. But because someday, I I knew someday I'd be pastoring you. When I would make decisions, I would always have that in mind. It's going to come back on me. Do I want my ministry to be blessed? Or do I want my ministry to be full of chaos? It's going to come back on me. And that's why I try so hard. Because I want you to be blessed. I want the work of God to be blessed. 
I want God's favor in my life. Amen? So today, if I can encourage you, maybe you need to work through some things in your mind. You need to get over some things and understand that if you do, God has got a great plan for you down the road. Don't mess it up. Amen? Make decisions in your life, young people, with this in mind. How is this going to affect my call? How is this going to affect my future? What's this going to do? Is this in the will of God? Or is this just something that I want? Is this the will of God? How is this going to affect my future? Amen. It sure will help you to make the right decisions in your life. Be a responsible person. Be accountable like Moses. Do things like Moses did it. And God will use you in a great, great way. And I love every one of you so much. I thank God for you. The Lord has done something in my heart. He's been working in me for a few weeks. If I ever, if I ever let my mind get crazy on me or my wife's mind, you know, sometimes she goes through things too. It's not just me. Just remember what I have to remember is even if you don't believe, my service can't depend on that. It has to be on God. And the same thing for you. The same thing for you. If there's anything in your life right now it's so important to you that if it's removed, you would stop serving God. It's an idol. It's an idol to you. The belief or the unbelief of other people can become an idol to you. I'm going to pray for you, Lord, right now in your awesome name. I pray for this, this family of God, this church tonight. Help your people. This is a good people. This is a good church. Help your people. Grant repentance to those that need to repent. Strength to those that need to be strengthened. We ask your blessing tonight to rest upon each and every one as they go home. Let them go home encouraged. Let them go home built up. Let them go home with clear direction. Let them go home with their minds healed. In Jesus' name.